Hey, hey, people of Earth, it's time to enter the spoilerverse via our secret portal at the exclusive Arctic Club in beautiful downtown Seattle with our hosts, John and Kenrick and Casey. Welcome to Spoiler Country. Hey, if you're listening to our show for the first time and you're on one of the social medias that we're on, like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, any of those kinds of things, you should always check us out on spoilerverse.com. But... If you want to keep up with our latest episodes, you should bring out your smartphone, get into your favorite podcaster, find Spoiler Country, and hit subscribe. Then you'll get all our new stuff. And if you want to reach out to us, you can do that in two ways. You can call us and leave us a voicemail at 707-656-2080. Again, 707-656-2080. Or you can shoot us an email at spoilercountry at gmail.com. Citizens of the Republic of Spoilerverse, welcome back to Spoiler Country. I'm Kenneth Regan. That is Mr. Horsley, and today on the show, well, it's, oh it's Jason God. Starr, isn't it? it? It is, and I gotta say, I laughed so hard at the intro, I snorted. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Those, you, those who are listening can't see it. We're, we're on a video with each other, so I can see Kenny and he can see me, and he's doing his thing he does with his intro, and I'm copying him, and it's making me laugh. And Anyways, but today's about Jason Starr. <laughs> Today is about Jason Starr. Uh, novelist. Uh, he's done some TV writer. Writing. Yep, comic books, graphic novels. He did some tie-ins to the show Gotham. He's pretty prolific. He's done a lot of stuff. He's written, um, you know, a, a lot of good stuff. And Casey sat down with him and had a conversation. And uh, we're excited for you to hear today. Cool. Well, instead of listening to us espouse a bunch of bullshit, why don't we just get right yeah. into it and listen to Jason and Casey in their own words? Hi, everybody. Welcome again to another episode of Spoiler Country. My name is Casey Allen, and today I'm talking to author Jason Starr. Jason Starr has written a ton of hardball detective and mystery novels. He's written horror. He's written comics. He's written for the Vertigo line. He has written Wolverine, Max. He has written Punisher. This guy has done it all. He has movies in the works. And he's going to talk to you about his career, about what he's working on, and what's coming up. Jason, how you doing, man? Sounds great. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> that was a terrible intro, but uh, we're going to make up for it with we'll our do it conversation. Again. We can do it no, again. no, 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 man. People can see how awful I am I, because I'm going to it, it will ref- <laughs> the light that you shine off everybody else off of my bullshit will look so much better. <laughs> but so you start. How does a how does a playwright from New York City eventually write Wolverine? <laughs> That's what I want to know. That is a you're right. That is an interesting path. I started off writing after uh, college. I wouldn't I wouldn't call myself a, uh, a playwright. I had some off off Broadway plays, and that was my goal at the time. But I was also reading a lot of crime fiction, and I had uh, written a lot of short stories in college, and always. Had had in my back of my mind that a novel. Eventually, I got my first novel published after trying to evolve this toward writing Wolverine. And after 
that novel was published, I had, I must have published about like nine or 10 novels over the next like 10 years. And then because of my crime writing, um, some comics editors started approaching me about writing introductions to graphic novels. One of them was 100 Bullets, Brian Azzarello's. Yeah, yeah. Ago. And by doing, yeah, so by, by doing that, I got into conversations about pitching some original ideas. Vertigo, and the first one I did for them was The Chill, which was a graphic that was published about 10 years ago. And yeah, from that it evolved where I was doing some some work for DC. They did a, a, a series with Doc Savage, Batman, and The Avenger and as a mashup series. And I, I wrote for that series and did a couple of one-shots for, for DC. And then an editor at Marvel approached me or... I think actually a friend put us in touch and started pitching ideas there. And then, yeah, it evolved to do a Punisher one shot and then Wolverine and then an Ant-Man, some other things. So, yeah, so it, there, there's no set path. I think that's probably true of everyone in, in comics. It's not like there's a set career path that any comics writer I've met gone on. It's just sort of an ad hoc on the fly sort of career that everyone seems to have a different path or how they went about it. I love that though. That's so amazing that you're able to go from, you know, one genre to another to, you know, you're not, you're not allowing yourself to get bored in or, or boring even in, in a one particular thing you, you want to constantly evolve and, and stretch your legs a little bit. And yeah, I've always done different uh, types of writing. I, I think the one consistent thing is that I've always wanted to write like dialogue uh, stories. So that's why I was doing plays. My, my novels are very uh, dialogue driven. I was, I guess, influenced by like, Elmore Leonard's crime novels and oh, Jim man. Thompson. He's fantastic. Uh, James M. McCain. Yeah, definitely that sort of dialogue driven action oriented. It sort of fit in for writing uh, comics as well. And I, you know, it was interesting when I was uh, writing for Marvel that a lot of people who were um, at Marvel, we once had a conversation, had like theater backgrounds, like uh, a lot of the editors, like they had worked um, oh, really? in college, they were in th involved in theater. Yeah, so it's sort of like uh, a parallel that some people don't talk about. But when you think about it, they're both very collaborative. You're not, you're not doing it alone in theater, you know, the direct. And obviously the actors are involved, and it's very similar in comics, where it's a team effort to create a to create a comic. So it's that, but I think it's also from the writing standpoint how you set the scenes and you learn how to move a story forward just with dialogue. I mean, with with comics, it's also the images, obviously. But I think for me, the one consistency through all of those different genres I've I've written for is dialogue-driven fiction. Yeah, yeah. And so just because you, you've done so many types of, of writing, it's all dialogue-driven, but the the collaboration isn't always there. Like when you do your novels, your your crime stuff, and you, you've also done some some horror stuff as well. What what do you I've get the most had, out of? Like, when I write, when, well, when, I'm, when I'm writing my novels, I, I don't have a series character that goes from book to book. And, and Part of the reason for that is, as you were saying at the beginning, is that I, I kind of just, you know, I don't want to be uh, boring for myself. Like, I just find it more uh, interesting to st start in a new world each time So when I write a book. So I've never really had, had a detective hero that goes from book to book. 
there's some writers who have long careers doing that, like with just writing one character. Yeah. Basically. So I've always wanted to, mi- to, to mix things up. At this point in my career, I really like working on a novel. It's sort of my, you know, long, it takes like a novel and a comic book, but also doing comics. So it sort of, it sort of like energizes me to go back and forth from different projects. Yeah, I kind of picked, so I, kinda, I don't feel like gained just by doing one thing. Yeah, I kind of picked that up from from Greg Rucka the other day. I was talking to him, and it, he kind of it takes him a while to get into that mode for writing a novel because it's it's he's in his head a lot. Or do you find that this that's kind of the same thing for you that it's just it's really an insular thing? Yeah, I mean, and it, it's you're usually you're not sharing it with anybody. I mean, sometimes you might have to discuss it with an editor, but for the most part, you're working on something for a long time where you're not you're just in, in your own head. And it's nice to have the, I don't know if Greg mentioned this, but to have like the gratification of finishing something to kind of give you a, a boost as you get along and you're getting feedback. So like we're working on a comic or you know, some writers, novelists are working on short stories, something where you could feel a sense of complete uh, for something that kind of keeps you a little energized because otherwise the only sense of completion comes when you actually finish the novel or it gets published process. So I think you kind of hits of uh, validation feedback, you know, oh, when you're writing comics. Oh yeah. I bet when you're writing like a, a large novel or something, it's, it can feel like a Sisyphean task. Yeah. Like yeah. Just pushing that boulder. Exactly. It's just a, uh, it's a long-term thing. It's almost like working out, like going to the gym, like you don't see the, results like on a daily basis the, you know you start to see the results you know a month or two in starts to feel you kind of it starts to feel like it's going to be a book but from a day-to-day basis it's hard to sometimes feel like you're making this this progress so yeah. i think that you have to f- figure out where like psychological tricks with yourself to keep yourself engaged so so what do you what do you do to keep yourself engaged or does it change every time is it something you have to constantly adapt to well, again, like I like the back and forth of have of working on comics at the same time. But I think part of it, if I was just working on a book alone, is just to set like the short term goals and you know really focus on what you're trying to accomplish for that day. It could be a word count, like you want to write like a thousand words for the day. It could be a particular scene that you want to write. You might want to end like on a high note, like when you know what's going to happen the next day to keep the momentum going. I mean, they're also. I think every writer has their different strategies for doing that, but I think the key is that you 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 want to stay engaged because it could be like a, a long, lonely process. Of it. Yeah, I, I bet, I bet. So, do, do you have anybody that that you can kind of count on to bounce stuff off of, or are you you're just on your own when you're writing those novels? Oh, I don't really like to discuss any works in progress, anything to anyone. So that's another reason why it sometimes feels like you're in an abyss. And, you, you know, some days you're not as confident about what you wrote as other days, and you kind of have to fight. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, some writers like to share their work. Some uh, even writers who are outside of creative writing programs like to have a book group where they could share their work, get some get some feedback. And I can see why that would be valuable. For me, I just kind of feel like the more I talk about something, the more like energy is getting released from the project, and I just like to f- leave it all locked in. And oh, yeah, like interesting. I was saying, like yeah, 
like some days you'll have negative emotions about it. You won't be as as other days, but as long as you keep going and you you have the short term goal, uh, eventually you start to see the results. Really, like yeah, like analogy, it really is like you don't see your big muscles until you've been doing it for a few months. I hear you. you you're you're starting to break up a, a little bit. I, I kind of got a little fuzzy for a second. Oh, okay. Give you a heads up. I'm gonna let's see, eight forty three. 1805. Okay, cool. I'll tell them to to cut my idiot self breaking in. But <laughs> so yeah, you were you were talking about you know having people that you talk to. So it says on your Wikipedia you're a member of a literary circle that has a, a bunch of big folks in it that write yeah, way smarter I than. I, said, I mean, who knows that Wikipedia? <laughs> I don't know why it says that. <laughs> That's such a like. I was like, "What? Uh, yeah. Did you guys just all come together? Like, Let's be a circle. What? Is, what does that mean exactly?" Yeah, it sounds very King Arthur. Yeah, yeah. Or um, sitting around. Or, or the what is the Niagara Falls group with the, the oh, lady? Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> so. Uh, yeah. So yeah. I, yeah. It, no, I mean, I know everybody. I know everybody who's listed there, and <laughs> certainly people. Well, I've hung out with at bars. And I know everybody pretty well in that group, but I, I wouldn't start a circle. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> such a, an odd... Do circles uh, even exist anymore? I, I, there are, I don't know. I Man, the internet has, uh, I think the internet has replaced it, where we share Twitter. Yeah. I used to have a circle, and then I got married, and now we just get on Facebook and bitch about streaming videos. That's, that's about it. Exactly. <laughs> Talk about... Hey, did you go see that show? No, I have two kids. I didn't go see that show. So, <laughs> but so yeah, you start you started off with with the 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 crime stuff, and you you've done horror, and you got into comics. And one thing that that I've noticed, you've done some stuff with with Batman. Mm-hmm. It seems like the people that get Batman the best are people who have a crime writing background. Well, he is that because, sort of yeah yeah. Go ahead. Oh no, no it's just like it, it seems like that style of writing is is kind of something that that book needs, or else yeah. it is it's just silly. Well, and I think he's a a, a uh, Batman this strategy to him, and, and so in that sense, he does have like similar classic hard boiled hero who kind of has some darkness in his past that he's. I mean, you could certainly make. Analogy between Batman and classic detective heroes from, from from crime fiction, and also like the idea of like you know you know in the hidden identity and yeah, I mean it's it's it definitely has elements of of classic crime fiction. So I could see why uh, you know crime writer involved and in also the whole world, the whole milieu, the dark city Gotham is sort of almost has film noir sort of. I think. Yeah, yeah, and in so much that. Like what is it, Raymond Chandler books? San Francisco, I think, is is kind of a character, and in yeah, Batman Gotham is also very much a character. Gotham is exactly, and and that's typical in a lot of crime fiction, whether it's like you know Michael Connelly's Los Angeles, or in in you know modern times. But yeah, it would definitely be. I think that that's one reason for sure. So when. When you did your uh, Punisher Max series in 2012, did you utilize any of, of your your background with with the crime fiction in that? Did that kind of come in 
come in handy as a tool for your Punisher series? Uh, uh, well, the Punisher was basically just a one shot. It was part of the um, Punisher Max series. Oh yeah, the special tales of Punisher Max. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was like a one. That was definitely. In fact, that Marvel wanted me to make that similar to some of my crime fiction. That was one reason why I set it in Brooklyn. I mean, a lot of Punisher stories are set in Brooklyn anyway, but several of my novels are set in Brooklyn. That's where I'm from. So I definitely wanted to write like Punisher meets a Brooklyn crime novel in, the, in that story. And then for Wolverine, when I started doing Wolverine, I think it was more the only, the only main similarity to crime writing I would think I could think of is that just like a first-person crime thriller from the point of view of Wolverine. Like, he literally, I think, in every panel of the comic, he narrates. It's totally his story, almost the way yeah, a crime novel with, like, unreliable narrator. Because they make yeah. that version unreliable. So I, I really enjoyed your your the returning that you did in 2014 with Boom at Boom Comics the with Andrea Moody as mm-hmm. or I don't know if I'm saying her last name right I'm terrible. Uh, it's his, it's his, no, it's a him. Uh, oh, Andrea Moody. Andrea Moody. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry, he, I'm public school Alabama. Moves, so <laughs> and now he and now he lives in Florida. Yeah. He, he oh lives, really? Uh, he's an Italian. Yeah, he's done a ton of. He's done Star Wars. He's done a lot of good comics. Super talented. Um, for yeah, he's done stuff for Boom, but also like a lot of stuff for Marvel and Dark Horse um, lately. And Image. So, so yeah, what no, was super talented. And, what was your inspiration? Very easy to work with. So um, we, that yeah, Andrea and I came up with. Attorney uh, was an idea that Andrea and I came up with together, and just thought it was a really cool idea, and that, that was the. Like, an idea that we pitched around and got it to an editor at Boom eventually. So that was a lot different than sort of the works higher stuff I had done at, at Marvel Graphic Novel. But this was definitely something we just came up with. All the characters and the story completely created. And we, yeah, we were just very excited. Concept and felt, for me, creatively, that was like a super oh, that's not true. the chill had a supernatural element so i guess yeah i guess i was just following it with the chill and it's sort of interesting that like the first two graphic novels i did were horror based because i really hadn't written much pure horror crime fiction at that or, or wrote a, a series uh novels uh which were werewolf novels which also had a supernatural uh, nothing is like far out as the which was really like the most supernatural thing I've written. So, so what what is your interest in in NDEs and near death experiences? Was that just something that you thought was kind of cool to write about, or was there anything more to that? Well, obviously, we, yeah, we thought it was a cool idea. That's always the most important thing for me. Dramatically, like we we had a very I don't want to give any spoilers. Seek out. Oh no, 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 yeah, exactly. Those four, those four, we thought we had like a twist on near-death experiences that sort of like near-death experiences meet The Walking Dead. There weren't really zombies in it, but we had a um, zombie-like, I'll say. And that, that sort of interested me, like a, a way into a zombie story that wasn't the traditional way in, like using near-death experiences as the oh, for sure. yeah. way in. And yeah, it, it was just a real cool, high-concept idea that we thought was just unusual. So yeah, it, for me, it's always about the, the story. 
and like you know sometimes you i'll come up with a, a concept that or a theme that interests me but i don't really have like a great story for it so for me it's like more important like what the is the story going to be exciting and is there going to be good twists that's that's awesome so i understand that your your work has been has been optioned you've had several of your your novels optioned for for film how has that yeah. experience been yeah yeah, over the years, I've had many options. I've written a bunch of screenplays. I usually try to get attached to be the screenwriter. Sometimes that I'm able to do that. Sometimes I'm not. It depends on the who's involved and what the deal is in particular. I mean, currently, one of my books, The Follower, there was originally adapted. It was part of my, my circle. Yeah. Right? According <laughs> to, uh... <laughs> that guy. never heard of him. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> and he... He was he adapted the follower for H. It was set up at HBO, and then it was it has like a long. I mean, I was involved working on that with Brett for so long, and on and Brett's podcast. If anybody wants to check that out, he has the Brett Easton Ellis podcast. I did. Yeah, yeah, I've I've heard it's really good. Brett uh, him and we went in depth about the follower, but it was it was set up at bars, and then even at Showtime. He made uh, like eight episodes. Lionsgate was turned hired him to write eight episodes. I mean, he did like a tremendous amount of, of work. Like, what is that? Like 400 plus pages of script. And it was actually greenlit. And then it just didn't, the, they, they rethought it. Greenlit for about a week. But uh, recently we got the rights back. And now I wrote a version of it. And we have a new showrunner. And it seems to be uh, um, moving ahead at a new at a new studio so fingers crossed about that that's awesome the, and the other one i'm excited about is cold caller which we're about to show virus hit so you know i think everyone's hoping that their hollywood projects that were pre-virus continue on afterwards so we'll see what happens with that but yeah and pa- pa- panic attack is under by ted griffin who wrote oceans 11 but he's adapting that himself i'm not involved in the uh, screenwriting of that one and a couple of other books are just in various stages of development yes over the years i've had you know different level of involvement in those projects i like as much as i can in the writing but i can depending on the project i can't always do that you know sometimes sometimes i'll step aside and someone else will be the writer is it hard to let go of your babies when that when that occurs sometimes Times I think the the plus side of having written a decent number of books and having you know and having different comics project control the rights to a little bit more than others in development is that I'm too emotionally attached to any one uh, project so it's easier to look I think if I had written like one or two books uh, that I really spent working on and uh, yeah I know people who write who wrote memoirs and it's extremely personal and they can't let go of it. That I understand, but I think it's a little easier for me because I figure like, oh, well, I'll write the other one. Or sometimes I have like a attitude, you know, I'll just, somebody will be optioning it and I'm not 100% sure I'm confident that it's actually going to get made, but they're, I want the option money. So I figure, well, let's see if they could actually do it and then I'll get the, if I get the rights back, I'll try to do it myself, you know. So I'm able to take more of a stand like that having a number of books that I've written. I hear you. I hear you. So I, I really want to ask you about, I don't know if it's too soon to talk about it, 
but you have, uh, I, I'm guessing it's tentatively now expected to be released in October. It's a comic called Red Border with, with artist oh, no, Will Red Conrad. Red Border's out now. Red Border's out right now. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The first issue was last two weeks ago. Holy smokes. How, how yeah. has that been? So I could talk about that. Awesome, um, awesome. Okay. I looked yeah. at the, on the thing, Google is wrong. That maybe that's when the the end of it is expected, but they said October sixth. Maybe 6th, maybe, maybe you're looking at the trade. Maybe you're looking up at the trade type paperback. Um, oh, gotcha. As yeah, to the sure comic book it. issues. Yeah, so you could ask me. Ask me about Red Border <laughs> if you want to edit this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so tell me about Red Border, man. Uh, Red Border, a new comic series uh, that's just out. Issue one is out. Uh, um. It's by a company called AWA uh, Upshots. It's a new comics company that you're going to be hearing. Of. And it's, it's set up by Axel Alonso, who was editor-in-chief Amazing of, Marvel, of Marvel. Yeah, and who I worked with at Marvel on, on Wolverine and the May Ant-Man uh, novel that I wrote there. Uh, and also Bill Jameis, and, who was also at Marvel. And... Yeah, this is an incredible list of writers who they already have involved, including some personal heroes like Garth Ennis is involved. But at their, the first set of novels was just, uh, I'm sorry, of uh, comics was just published. They included Red Border, which is the one I did with Will Conrad as the artist. And Will Conrad's done like some amazing work at uh, DC, Marvel, just about everywhere. Yeah, his style is fantastic. Yeah, so it's set right now on the Mexican border, and it's about a young couple, Eduardo and Karina, and basically a a cartel, because one of them was going to testify a cartel in Juarez. Now now their cartel is after them, and they have to make a run for it and try to get across the border, and they wind up in a worse situation in the across the border hiding in this house in on the Texas side of the border. So it's sort of like getting out of the frying pan and like getting right into the fire. In action, horror novel, it's sort of like a uh, comic. It's sort of like Sicario meets Get Out. Is nice. Describing it to people. That sounds fantastic. And the, the thing about Axel Alonso, every creator that I've seen that he's lined up for AWA, it's seen. There's nobody on that list that I've seen that's been like I've been lukewarm about. Everybody that he has lined up is just yeah. fantastic. He has an eye for talent, so I can't wait to see what this company is going to be. What else they're going to be doing because it yeah. really so right now um, right now Red Border is out. Hotel, which is a, an anthology horror series, is out. It's getting great reviews. Archangel Eight is getting some great reviews, and the 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 resistance is the beginning fantastic yes is a comic that was just released yeah which was uh, is the beginning of a new universe of awa superheroes and it's sort of an opportunity to build out a superhero universe with planning involved rather than it it's happening the way it did at marvel in sort of like a more ad hoc way over the years the advantage that we have is axel and the some of the creative council they have at AWA have really done a lot of planning and working out like every details of how this universe is going to unfold. And there's going to be many new heroes and comics coming out of this universe. So the first one was the resistance, but they're also doing comics similar to red border, 
which are high-concept thrillers, could easily be action movies or horror movies or definitely genre-oriented movies. And yeah, so they have a, a big plan of how to break out in Hollywood with some of this stuff also. And it's an exciting company to be involved with. Oh, I bet. I bet. So do you mind if I ask you just like a, a writing question just in sure. in general? So going from like the the more like ground level, like thriller and like crime stuff that you've written and then going from that to writing superheroes, is it? And you've like you've done Ant Man, you've done other stuff like that. Batman. Is it is it hard to make that transition? Do you have to be in a certain headspace to go from I don't know writing you know a, a crime novel to Justice Incorporated or or whatever? Is it? Um, yeah, to some degree. Um, I think some of the comics have coincidentally or not coincidentally have been on the darker, edgier side of the comics genre. Certainly, Wolverine and the Punisher were definitely 17 and up. Readers, the chill was definitely that, the returning. But then I did do the Ant-Man novel, which is definitely more teen-oriented. That, that was the one I would think of as a superhero novel, where the uh, heroic, and there's really not any... I mean, obviously, Ant-Man does have a fun dark side compared to Wolverine, who has like a deep anger, or, or even Batman. And it's more of, you know, he has a crime past, but He's definitely a, a hero in more traditional Marvel sense. But no, for me, it's always a challenge to do something different that I haven't uh, necessarily done before. Some of the stuff I've done, the darker, edgier stuff, I, I, I seem to wind up doing because I've done it before. And I think editors know I, I can do that type of story. But I know myself that I'd also hero stories and you know, the, the Gotham novels that I wrote um, based on the TV show, Gotham. I wrote two Gotham novels that tied into the show. One was a prequel for the show. It took place between uh, seasons two and three. So they actually fit into the timeline of the of the series. Those those books definitely had to have like more of a uh, you know a traditional superhero uh, perspective because um, I'm writing for like a different audience. So for me, it's it's uh, a challenge to do something. I have particularly those two I mentioned with, with Ant-Man and Gotham, because I had to really tie into an existing world, which was which is a challenge. Like, it was something I'd never done before, like having to really see every episode of a show and, or really know Ant-Man's character and, and know what was going to happen in that movie to be able to write that novel. So for me, that's also something that sort of energizes me, like coming up with a challenge, something I haven't done before. That's, yeah, I can imagine. So, so when you you did the Gotham stuff that was based off of the the television series, did you who did you work with to 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 write those? Were you under like I guess like WB or Fox's purview, or was it? Yeah, it was complicated. It was it was Fox, and then WB was the and then Titan, which is a publishing company in England, but also. From the U.S., they publish widely yeah, both yeah. in the, in, in the Doctor US and Who North stuff and uh, yeah. in England and North America. Yeah, so they, they do a lot, a lot of tie-in novels now. At the time, they were doing DC. Now lately, they've Marvel novels, and I, ironically, they published a uh, paperback of my Ant-Man novel as well. But so I was dealing with mainly with the editor at, but we had to get everything 
approved by the producers at Warner Brothers and the writing staff for the TV show. Got oh. them. So, so yeah, so it was, I just told you how I don't usually like to talk too much about my ideas. <laughs> I like to keep the... And you're uh, under a microscope there, so... <laughs> totally out the window. Yeah, with that project, yeah. That was, so, so one of the guys... discuss everything. Say... One of the guys that I, I forgive me, I do not know how to say his name. He's the co-founder of TKO. Yeah, he he's he was one of the the head guys on Gotham. He I think he was the the writer, director, producer of of Gotham. And okay. uh, I wonder if you had any any direct involvement with him. With him. He seems like uh, a really cool guy. Yeah. And yeah, TKO was putting out some cool. amazing stuff. We did. It it was definitely the head writer. They, they would always I think. On one on another call, it was two writers who were kind of just vetting to, to make sure. Basically, they need to give away any plot points that were going to be uh, revealed on the show. It totally makes sense. I understand that they wouldn't want uh, me to spoil anything. So that that was the main thing. But but sometimes they were particular about something that yeah they have a particular note about something with Bruce Wayne or Alfred. But yeah, no, there's definitely writing process to have to not only plot out the book with the at length, like a very long, long outline, but then to, when when the book was written, I, I, I think actually now I'm recalling it was, it was various stages. The writers had to approve the outline and then they had to approve the actual novel. So. Oh, wow. It, that's like the literary equivalent of like writing with, you know, one hand tied behind your back or what? I don't know. <laughs> So it, it sounds yeah, like it's a lot of it's definitely it was definitely work, you know, because it's it wasn't only the writing; it was also watching the show, which I enjoy. When when I got involved in writing them, I was watching the show anyway, so I was like, oh, oh that's yeah, yeah. Easy. But I, I wouldn't describe it as being easy. no, no, not at all. One of the more challenging. <laughs> it was definitely one of the more challenging writing projects I've done because of all the different moving parts. Yeah, it's, it's like putting together a puzzle that, you know, you, you I don't know, you're missing pieces or you, you don't know what it's supposed to look like or something. It, it's it seems like a, a lot of hard work, whereas, you know, you're doing it, your regular stuff and, and you can do whatever you want to because it's your characters. But with, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And on top of getting approval from everyone, you have to still nail the. You know, come up with a whole plot, come up with a whole plot, and then the yeah, getting down the voice and the attitudes of all the different characters on the show. It was fun. It was fun to do that, but it was definitely not like an easy, an easy job. So when you started in writing, like, what what was the thing that that got you that made you realize, oh, this is what I want to do for a living. This is what I want my life to be. Um, that's a good question. Was very idealistic, and I like. I just loved creating characters and writing dialogue and telling stories and making shit up, right? So, <laughs> uh, so just. I, I guess I just found it fun, and I wasn't um, thinking all that logically about like what a career would look like because definitely you know na- navigating a writing career to have done basically full-time for years but doing various different writing work you know it's not the it definitely uh is not like it's not as predictable as like having a you know what your salary is every year and you know so there's definitely a career side of it from just the pure 
writing standpoint, it was just fun and it was what I love to do. So like, seem you know, it doesn't even seem like work sometimes to be writing. You know, it's just fun. Like writing comics is fun. I've I've heard, I've had I've heard some writer friends of mine offer opportunities to adapt their screenplay in certain situations, like their novel is option. There's an offer to be the screenwriter, and I've had I know. Some people have like turned turned down like writing the screenplay. No, no, they would say like no, they're too busy, and I just can't understand it. Like I'd be like, what? That's like when I was starting writing. Like if someone, I would write like I, I would adapt like one of my novels as a screenplay for free back then. Like now, if someone's hiring to do it, like how could you? you know, part of me is like, how could you possibly turn that down? Yeah, I understand. There's sometimes like there's a business reasons why you're going to turn it down. It might not be enough money, but, but just like, the idea that you're going to be paid to adapt your novel as a screenplay like seems like a dream come true to me. Like I don't see anyone turn that down. So uh, I really – do you mind talking about the Max and Angela series you, you did with Ken Bruin? Oh, yeah. Sure, sure. I lo- like – okay. As somebody who appreciates like the covers to the old pulp novels – Mm-hmm. These are fantastic. I love it. Um, so h- how did you end up working with Ken Bruin? Well, those books are published by Hard Case Crime. And the publisher, Charles, is really has like a really interesting background himself. He uh, works as an investment banker during the day. He still has that day job. And Hard Case Crime has, I think it's over 100 books at this point in their, in their, uh, oh, nice. on their list. And, you know, they've published a lot of, uh, Don Westlake novels. They've published a lot of Lawrence Block, a lot of Max Allen Collins. Their biggest books were the, a couple of Stephen King novels that they published that were obviously major bestsellers. Um, so these hard case crime started, I think it was around 2005, 2006. And I, I can't remember if he wrote to me or I, somehow we, we can uh, online and he asked me to, if I wanted to write something for them. But at the time I was sort of under contract with another publisher and my agent didn't think it was a good idea to just write under my own name. But Ken and I, Ken Bruin, were talking just amongst ourselves about co- co-writing a novel. And, and so I thought like, hey, like if we co-write something that would be like different than it wouldn't really be competing against my own books. Or Ken's own books. So Charles at Hard Case liked the idea, and one was called Bust. Bust was actually I had a book that I had not published that I wrote like after my second novel, and it was I, I just didn't feel like it was all there yet. But it was something I always liked, but it wasn't all there yet. So I told Ken like, actually, I have this book. So we'll sort of rewrite it together because it is basically a plot, and that's what we did. Rust was like a rewritten book that I'd already written. Wow. And we, 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 did, we, we did some heavy writing. It basically had the same plot, but a couple of characters were different. Ed, Ken is from Ireland, so two of the characters became Irish. And then part of the challenge of writing with Ken was because we have very, not only different backgrounds, but styles. He writes his own novels. He writes the Jack Taylor novels if anyone has might have seen someone might have seen like on the on netflix there's a, a series jack, jack taylor that's based oh on nice those that series of novels that kind of yeah but his his novels are definitely written in a very vernacular irish style and much different than my sort of straight 
hard-boiled style that I have. So we had to merge our styles. So at first, it wasn't working, and I just told Ken, I think it's only going to work if you try to write like me, and I try to write like you, and that's what we did. Like, we sort of, like, met in the middle. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, occasionally we alternate chapters. Sometimes I would start a chapter and he would finish it, or... He'd be working on like chapter ten while I was writing writing chapter two. Like even now, like I'm not sure how we actually pulled it off, but uh, uh, we did it. And then we did like three other novels together. So yeah, we wrote we written four novels together. That's amazing. That's amazing. And I love that you 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 both kind of had to learn to adapt on this. And and it, it's a teamwork where where normally you don't get much teamwork. So I'm I'm sure it was a uh, a learning experience for both of you that yeah it's um, fantastic. yeah it happened to work I mean I've tried to collaborate in other situations where it didn't work out as well for whatever reason it's hard to predict because like on paper it would seem like this would be a situation where it would not work like our styles were not so he's in Ireland I'm in New York like it, it seemed like how how we possibly pull and it, it occurred to me I mean the, the main these sorts of collaborations. And this might be one of the reasons why it's often uh, a, a mother-daughter team, a father-son team, or it's often relatives or people who know each other well who, who collaborate. Yeah. But we, we, we had similar – we definitely – you can't have a different vision for where it's going to go. Like someone can't be wanting to write something like dark and edgy and unrelenting and somebody wants to write like romantic comedy. Like it wouldn't work. Right, so you have to have the same. I think the, having the same vision is much important, more important than the same voice. But the other factor I think is key is that like each writer has to know what their role is in a process. I've involved in situations where there's so much ego involved, or I even I just know of other situations where so much ego is involved with writers wanting their line in or their you know their their version of a chapter in. The, the way Ken and I did it, like if he did something better or came up with a better line than I did, that great. <laughs> we were both, and, and same same way, you know, it worked the other way also. Like we didn't really, we weren't trying to like one up each other. We just, and I think we had this conversation where we said that once we, it's just by both of us, like it's almost like we're not the authors anymore. It's like the new author. Oh wow! <laughs> so like, so like we can't. There's really no reason to have any. Uh, go involved or or any competition and but sometimes work and works and sometimes doesn't but i think if you're collaborating with somebody and it's endless emails back and forth and you're you know arguing silly points like you're not going to get it done like and ken and i like we never had like one conflict like right literally no conflict about anything somehow just worked any plans for a uh, fifth book in that in the series um, of i that i would be i mean we i was because I think the first one was like 2006 and then 2008, 2009, and then we did like 2016 or 2017, we did like a fourth one. But I doubt it. Like, I don't think, I, I, I would probably do too, but I don't think he wants to. I once uh, suggested we write a short story and he just wanted me to do it. So like, <laughs> I don't know. I think, he's, I think he's beyond working on those, but I do think, and I told him this and he agreed, like if we were just if we were never writing our own books and we were just writing those books, like we could have done like four or five a year. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> because like we wrote them so fast. Like, yeah. It looks we like just... you had fun in the process of it too. Yeah. So, it and that's fun. amazing. 
So do, do you have anything else on the horizon that you'd like to talk about before? I don't want to take up too much of your time. What else do I have? Uh, I have, well, my last crime novel was called Future of Red and out now hardcover and paperback. But I have a novel that I just finished that I'm just working on editing. I'm not really talking about too much, but it's, a, it's different from previous books. It's another departure for me. It's more of a sci-fi oh really alternate reality thriller so it's definitely another thing i haven't really done before so we'll see if i pulled it off i I respect the hell out of that that you're (laughs) that you're able to just kind of move on and try new things and that's just fun man that's so cool well sometimes it's fun but sometimes one is to mix it up and keep myself challenged like i was saying earlier and keep it fresh but also, I, I think, and this is key, like if anybody out there is trying to have like long career as writer, there's going to be points in your career where you have to reinvent yourself. And um, it's very difficult to just do the same thing as a writer. I, I think it's more difficult now than it used to be because um, editors are constantly moving around. It's hard to find that sort of consistency at a publishing uh, company and the, and the publish, as we all know, the publishing world has changed, um, eBooks, et cetera. So I think there's going to be times in your career where just from a marketing standpoint, you're going to want to do something different to sort of get it. You know, if you're switching publishers to get a new publisher interested in you, you're switching agents to get a new, um, you want to show that you, that the book you're writing is going to be different than the other books. And just from a selling standpoint, you know, you know like if you were pitching, have like the same type of tv show all the time you'd want to uh say this one's going to be a thriller this one's going to you know this is a sitcom you know so you want to have different things on your slate i think it's similar to building a career as a writer awesome uh, and is there any one genre that you're really wanting to explore that you haven't had a chance to yet uh definitely sci-fi and um nice. that's why i'm doing this uh, this book you know i i i guess you know at, at I went, but you know, I wrote Fugitive Red, which was a, a crime novel that was somewhat in a similar style of stuff I've done before. I'd say it's somewhat similar to books like Twisted City or Cold Caller, some of my earlier novels. I would definitely write more crime fiction. I'm just not sure if it would be that sort of crime fiction. I think one thing I have not done that I also touched on earlier is write a a series character, like a detective hero or or, or even even if it was a ripley tom ripley-esque anti-hero that just went on from book to book that is something i've not done in crime fiction or thrillers like having a recurring character so i think that's something i would uh well might be on the horizon. One, one thing's for sure uh, with our current situation you have plenty of time to think about it <laughs> have you <laughs> have you been any more or less productive in writing since so anybody listening in the future right now this is april 6th 2020 we are in the midst of the covid19 outbreak shit is bad new york is shut down a bunch of other places are all the coastal places the sensible coastal places are shut down alabama where i live is the wild west people don't know what to do because our governor is a moron and everybody listens to the president and just prays. So, yeah, we're dealing with that. So, sorry for that commentary. But have, have you been any more or less productive since all this stuff has happened? I think pretty much about the same. Yeah, I mean, I'm, 
I think the the post uh, COVID nineteen publishing world. I think. Well, first of all, I expect everyone's books finished, and agents and publishers might be initially inundated with books and with an unpredictable supply chain. Because no, at this point, oh, we're yeah. talking from right now, like no one, no one's sure exactly what's going to happen, how long this is going to last, how it's going to affect bookstores and the book industry. So I think there's going to be a little uncertainty after this. But from my point of view, I'm just um, trying to finish my book and stay and stay focused. I'm still, I'm working on Red Border, you know, still coming out. One thing I'll say is that in because of COVID-19 and Diamond not distributing to comic book stores, issue one of Red Border has come out. The other issues are being published, but we're also releasing them on Webtoon. And oh, you can nice. actually, and you could download, as of right now, the first several episodes are up right now on Webtoon. So you can oh, just cool. go to Webtoon, type in Red Border, subscribe, uh, start reading the series, and the entire series is going to be up there. This was part of the plan before the, the virus outbreak. It was, uh, they wanted to simultaneously publish on, on Webtoon in a different format. Uh, and you'll see. Check it out. Uh, they've done an amazing job of like adapting the comics to like the Webtoon format. And uh, also get your hands on a, a, a try to get your hands on red border number one because i think because of the virus it's going to be a big collect i don't think the the usual distribution was out on uh when it, when it was released oh yeah yeah that i was actually thinking not long ago that the uh, collector's market for comics during the you know the past few months are going to be pretty interesting just purely for the reason and especially that... the awa ones the first the first yes one, the number ones Oh, and I'm I'm glad you talked about how AWA is handling, you know, putting that comic up online for people to get it. And so one thing I always ask bef- before we uh, head out, we want comic shops to stay open. We love comic shops. They are the the lifeblood of the comics industry. No shops means that you can't sell the comics. Do you have a particular comic shop that you that you're fond of? Well, because I live in New York, Midtown Comic is my door. Go to comic shop, the one nice. on Lexington, Lexington Avenue. Nice. So, yeah, Midtown, good people there. I've heard a lot of good things about that store. I've actually mm-hmm. never been to New York. Mm-hmm. I think New York would kind of freak my bane. It's it's too big. And, there's and they're very active. And, <laughs> and Midtown is very active at Comic-Con, at New York Comic-Con also. They have like a big... Awesome. Uh, they, they always have... But yeah, they're, they're definitely going to be under a lot of strain, as is the whole industry and the whole well the whole country so everyone's just hoping there's a sense of normalcy when it comes when when things return oh yeah yeah so so you guys red border number one find that get it jason star author of twisted city uh tough luck the craving which is fantastic werewolf book and so many other novels i'm looking at all the covers of your novels right now and oh my gosh man you could you could Worst case scenario, you could use them and, and hit people with them if they try to run into your house because that's a ton. Of, you have a ton of books to throw at people if, uh, God forbid, things get really crazy and people start breaking into houses. <laughs> These are fantastic. But, dude, thank you so much for talking to me. And it's a crazy time right now for for writers in the comic industry and you know just writers 
in in general, I guess. So thank you for yeah. taking time out of your day. And I really, I really can't wait to read uh, Red Board because that looks amazing. Great. I hope you like it. All right. Thank you very much, Jason Starr. You have okay. a good evening, okay? You too. Thanks for having All me. Right. On. Thank you, Jason. Hey, we're back. We're back. We're back. What'd you think? Uh, Jason seems cool, man. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. I'm excited. I'm going to try to pick up some of those books and yeah, check out what he's got to offer because uh, I'm always down to learn about new people and new books. When well, you're always down to read, too. I mean, our, our tagline, open I mean. your mind, read more. We're always reading. Yep. Yeah. And you know, I think it's funny because like everybody listening to him, I was like, oh, that was cool. Oh, that was cool. Yeah. I, 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 feel like, I feel like we've been... We've been lucky to have a lot of really cool people on the show and a lot of chill people that have great conversations. And I don't know if it's because I think it's because, you know, we just attract cool people. That's all. Yeah. We just attract the coolest. Oh, they're the coolest. Yeah, Yeah, I love it. It's a lot of fun. We have a lot of fun on the show. We're really lucky to meet all the people. We do. We have too much fun. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. If you guys enjoyed that, then I highly suggest, I highly implore you to go over to SpoilerVerse.com and not only check out what Spoiler Country has with all the authors and all the artists and all the directors and producers and sound guys and engineers and, oh my God, all the pop culture phenomenons that are on that that we've interviewed. We have other podcasts for you guys to enjoy. We have, if you're a Star Wars fanatic, go check out Shooting the Sith. Robert Savinsky is talking Star Wars all the goddamn time. He loves it. If you're into geek culture as a whole and how things cross contaminate each other go check out bridging the geekdom they were just a huge instrument in getting the what's it called the the snyder cut release and snyder cut yeah he was so much that show was all about that that movement for so long and now that they've announced that the snyder cut is gonna happen in 2021 on hbo max it's huge and if you want to learn more about that Go check out Bridging the Geekdom. And if you're a video game fanatic, you, may, you know, maybe you love playing, sitting down, playing some games. I've been known a time or two to to waste many an hour on Fallout 76 and others. Yeah. And if you're like me, go check out Polygon Warriors. Hell, if you love yeah. music. And th- he tends to concentrate a lot on, like, metal <laughs> and death metal and speed metal and all the different metals up your ass that you can think of. But he also has other people on that you would not expect to be on that show that has uh, country and pop and everything else. Check out Misery Point Radio with Mike Peacock. Yeah, it, it should. It's amazing. Yeah, and you should go to spoilerverse.com and you should also check out articles by Sarah Kay on the paranormal and by Jay Roach on what he had for lunch or what music he likes or all this kind of fun <laughs> stuff he writes about or all the articles that Colton and Robert write as well. There, there's just so much for you to read and to listen to, and you can watch. There's more. There's videos of us and our pretty faces out there. You can go do that and check it all out. Maybe you're a fan of Spoiler Country, and you listen to us all the time, and you notice that during the interviews that 99% of the time, it's just Kenrick, and you want to hear this guy, yeah, Mr. Horsley. Well, he has a whole other show. He's got actually two other shows. He's got one that he just talks to himself into the ether called Y2CL. That comes out every Saturday. And then he's got one that every he Saturday, yep. with my niece, his wife, Kaylee, called The Haphazard Adventures. And maybe you'll be into that. This is true. So 
lots of stuff there to go enjoy. So go check it all out, please. And if you do all that and yeah, you do should. like it, like us on Facebook, like us on Twitter. And when you go to your podcatcher and you type in Spoiler Country, hit subscribe, leave us a review. It helps us out tremendously. Yeah, and, and and download all the episodes too. Just hit download all. It, it's, it's not going to fill your phone <laughs> up too much. Your it's only three hundred and sixty episodes. Download them it's fine. there. Yeah, <laughs> get, get all the phones. Download them all. Trust me, it's it's for the best. It's that way, if you best. if you have no service, you can still listen to them. It's not a big deal. It's fine. It's no big deal. It's all good. All right, guys. I think that's a show, Johnny. That's yeah. That's a show. All right. That's a show. Well, don't forget, in oceans of podcasts, we are to do. And it's a compelled you to do. Open the mind and read more.